Welcome to Millennial 617. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we're joined by Micah again. Micah's back on the show. Hiya, Micah. Hiya, Andrew. <laughs> How's it going? Welcome back. Good. I'm good, man. I'm happy to be back. You know, I, I thought maybe there was a little bit of something that happened last time, but uh, you have me back. So clearly we're oh, good. Oh, like we didn't like you? No, we loved your appearance on the last episode. I mean, we spent like 30 minutes talking about chairs and hotel rooms. It's, it was great content. Yeah. Yeah. It's what this show was made for. Yeah, exactly. I've actually been thinking of mica chairs recently because nobody's staying in hotel rooms right now. So all these mica chairs are, yeah, they're, they're neglected. They're alone. They have no butts to entertain. Or other body parts. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I feel for them. I mean, they're just sitting all alone in these random hotel rooms around the world with, with nobody to really care for. You think like... Maybe the hotel manager, if they're checking in, they go into the room, they sit down, but you can't go to hundreds of rooms. That's just impossible. <laughs> Maybe they do the even ones on one like month and then the odd ones on the other month. Micah chairs, we're thinking of you. Godspeed to you all. <laughs> Today is actually a really exciting day. It's May 4th. So first of all, may the 4th be with you all. But we found out today... I, I can't believe I'm about to say these words. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight, is publishing Midnight Sun. Micah, how huge is this news? Oof. This is amazing. <laughs> I am so happy for Katniss. It is just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, may the odds be ever in her favor. <laughs> Actually, it's great that we have Micah on today because, Micah, you've never read Twilight before, right? No. So... Have you heard about Midnight Sun? It's a isn't it from a different character's perspective? Is that yes. basically what it is? A, the same series, but from a different character's perspective. Which character do you know? Um, <laughs> I'll give you a hint: the creepy one. Well, that's... the hundred and seventeen-year-old one who watches a sixteen-year-old sleep. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's actually not that far off. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially <laughs> if you listen to the most recent MuggleCast. Um, Edward Cullen. Mm. It's Twilight from Edward's perspective. This is, is huge. Is that the vampire or the werewolf? The vampire. Yeah. We may get a Jacob Renesme book someday, so don't you worry, Micah. But this no. is really big news. because Let me know when that comes out, please. Will do. Stephanie Meyer started writing Midnight Sun in 2008. It leaked. She gave up. She tried again. Back in 2015, then Fifty Shades of Grey's spinoff, Grey, came out. She gave up again. Finally, in 2020, 12 years after she started working on Midnight Sun, she is finally going to publish Midnight Sun. This is such big news. The fandom is so excited. We are going to talk about it today in After Dark. We are going to do a special episode of our old Twilight podcast, Imprint. I'm actually excited. It's going to be fun. We're bringing back one of the old imprint hosts, Andrea. She's coming back, one of Pam's besties. So we're going to have her. We're going to kick Micah off because he doesn't know shit about Twilight. Yeah, sorry. I would not be good for that <laughs> at all. You get a lot of emails and other complaints. It'd be pretty funny, though. Yeah. So anyway, not only... But fun story, Andrew. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to cut you off there. But you actually interviewed Stephanie Meyer on MuggleCast <laughs> we way did. back I don't know in why. the day. Yeah, I'm I talking about why. early episodes, and uh, I, I still believe that's why J.K. Rowling will not come on the show. It's because you had on Stephanie Meyer before she 
became big time with the series. It's a good theory. It's a good theory. Um, you might be right. Listen, there were plenty of opportunities for J.K. Rowling to come on MuggleCast. And there still are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're still around <laughs> weekly. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I, small steps. I Twitter to, first. I have to say, though, I think May 4th is the best day of 2020 so far. Midnight Sun was announced. We learned that Nicolas Cage is going to play the Tiger King in a new TV series. And Taika Waititi, who directed Thor Ragnarok and um, Jojo for the Rabbit. Real good people. Oh, that one yeah, too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> he is going to be directing a new Star Wars movie. And Disney was sure to note it's going to be coming to theaters. Don't worry, AMC. And we'll talk about that later in the episode. But anyway, today's been a great day. I, I saw this on Twitter, so I will give Twitter credit for it. But. I, I kind of feel similarly. Was David Spade not available to play Joe Exotic? <laughs> Didn't he say that he couldn't do that because he already played Joe Dirt and it was too similar? Oh. It was too Joey. Yeah. I, I, I mean, <laughs> is it really that similar, though? <laughs> I, I think Joe Exotic is a whole nother extension of Joe Dirt. I was saying to one of the hypable writers today, this just shows you. All you got to do to be successful in life is to be fucking batshit crazy. That's all you got to do. I mean, Tiger King, he's nobody special. Like, yeah, he's got his tiger zoo, but everything else all of us can do. We can marry multiple people simultaneously. We can kill a couple people. We can uh, call somebody we hate a bitch nonstop. Like, (laughs) Tiger King is inspiring. So, Andrew, you're like, all those people I've killed over the years will finally mean something. <laughs> right. It's all going to be worth it. They do like the untold story of Andrew Sims on Netflix limited series. <laughs> that bitch, Laura, wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, speaking Laura, how's the week going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of something I won't shut the fuck up about, uh, I'm still waiting on my stimulus payment, but... They finally updated my portal, and I am getting it this week, allegedly. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. And uh, still waiting on that letter from Trump, which I don't know if I'm going to burn it or if I'm going to annotate it and send it back. Still haven't decided. <laughs> Please annotate it with an angry red pen. <laughs> Definitely wash your hands for 20 seconds after touching it. Yeah, 40. Oh, that's true. He's probably been shaking all the hands. Mm-hmm. I want to support the U.S. Postal Service, you know? Oh, that's a good idea. Give him a yeah. round trip letter. We got our Trump letter. I was thinking of uh, holding it up and putting a lighter underneath it and setting it on fire and posting that to Instagram. But <laughs> I also thought I would annoy some people who follow me. So I decided not to. And like, what if my house caught on fire? That would mm. suck. So yeah, Brooklyn would never forgive you. Then we'd write a news story <laughs> about you. I should have let Brooklyn shit on it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 we can't. That would give, you know, the Trump base too much fodder to say that Democrats Mm. do stupid shit all the time. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, all the time. Look in the mirror, Republicans. And Laura, you're you're not the only one. I have not gotten my stimulus check yet either. I think it just has something to do with how he feels towards New York State in general right now. Yeah, but see, I live where his base lives. So I don't get it. Yeah, you should have gotten yours five minutes before everyone else. Yeah, mind you, I am inside the Atlanta perimeter, so I could You're in a liberal see them. Bubble. Yeah, I could see them being like, okay, everywhere except inside two eighty five. Mm. They're inside two eighty five. <laughs> Fuck them. Well, speaking of your state, I actually saw an article today that the risk of exposure has gone up forty percent in Georgia since they reopened the state. <laughs> yeah, 
We're number one. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> so it's going great down there, huh? Have you been oh to any God. bowling alleys, Laura? No, not yet. Um, but we did have to make a grocery run the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was so frustrated because, like, of course, now, as was chronicled in last week's After Dark, I'm staying with my parents while I wait on some repairs to be done in my home. And so, like, we're up not in the Atlanta perimeter. And we go to the grocery store. Nobody's wearing masks. Oh, like, nobody. When you go down into the city, lots of people wear masks. Mm-hmm. Observe social distancing, but you get outside the city and it's a whole new world. Yeah. Not in yeah. a good way. Um, here's some good news. Unfortunately, it came out of bad news, though. Um, we spoke a couple weeks ago, I believe in After Dark, about a terrible shooting in Canada. Now, just two weeks after that shooting, which was the deadliest mass shooting in Canada's history, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau introduced an immediate ban on military-style assault weapons. They are banning assault weapons in Canada just two weeks after their worst shooting. And this worst shooting in Canada's history, by the way, 23 people died. Here in America, hundreds of people die in a single mass shooting. And what do we do? Thoughts and prayers, and we just move yeah. on. Well, we but, used to have an assault weapons ban. Republicans right. let it expire. I, I just thought that was really inspiring to see if they can so quickly do this. You know, maybe we can do this too one day. Yeah. I just, I look at Canada and New Zealand. And I'm like, can I live in either of those places? Mm-hmm. Like, New Zealand doesn't have any COVID cases anymore. At least as of this morning. Yeah, because their prime minister took it super seriously from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And they are actually one of the few places in the world that is on the upswing from this. All right. So we wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk about Joe Biden and uh, the Tara Reid accusation that's been making rounds for over, over a month at this point. Um, so just to give everybody kind of a rundown to make sure we're kind of starting at the same place, um, Tara Reid was one of eight women who came forward accusing Joe Biden of inappropriate touching last spring, 2019. Um, she said that he used to put his hand on her shoulder and run his finger up her neck. Um, but at the time she didn't feel that she was a victim of sexualization, Um, when she stepped forward with those seven others to address the behavior last year. Um, This spring, towards the end of March, Tara Reid shared a very different kind of story when she Mm -hmm. disclosed the allegation that then-Senator Joe Biden sexually assaulted her in 1993. Um, This story has been pretty well disseminated, and if you're not familiar with Tara Reid's claim of sexual assault at the hands of Joe Biden... I'd recommend reading up on it at your comfort, Um, but it goes without saying if this allegation were true, it would absolutely qualify as sexual assault. Um, When she was asked why she didn't disclose this earlier, say when Joe Biden was a presidential nominee in 2008 or when he subsequently went on to become the vice presidential nominee um, to Barack Obama, she expressed that she feared retribution and This is one of the, you know, very real and incredibly common reasons why victims don't disclose what happened to them. Mm. Now, when this story started making the rounds at the end of March, Joe Biden 
began denying the claims relatively quickly, but it wasn't really hitting mainstream news outlets right away. Um, But he did so formally this past weekend in an interview with uh, Morning Joe's Mika Brzezinski, um, in which she really grilled him about the allegations and gave him some opportunities to try and clarify, um, you know, what may have happened and what he intends to do moving forward to make sure that while he says this claim is untrue, to make sure that um, assault victims do have the ability to come forward and have their claims investigated seriously. And I thought that we could play a little clip from that, Andrew. I would. This never, ever happened. I don't know what is motivating her. I don't know what I don't know what's behind any of it, but it's irrelevant. It never happened. It never happened. Period. I'm not going to start questioning her, 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 her motive. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to go after Tara Reid for saying these things. It's simple. What are the facts? Do any of the things she said, do they add up? So shortly after the Morning Joe appearance, <laughs> Joe Biden on Morning Joe, um, Tara Reid canceled a scheduled interview on Fox News to address her claims and now says, according to the Associated Press, that the complaint she filed in the 90s against Biden with the Congressional Personnel Office did not explicitly accuse Biden of sexual assault, nor did it reference the assault story that has gotten so much attention this spring. Instead, she says that the report details Biden saying that he wanted her to serve drinks because he liked her legs and says that her report did express her feeling uncomfortable and a fear of retaliation because she knew in 1993 she would have been uncomfortable disclosing the details of the alleged assault. Which is not good for her case. I mean, this is very good news for Joe Biden that these reports don't explicitly say sexual assault. Yeah, this, this whole thing. There's so much to this, and there's so much... I just, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what did or did not happen. Uh, The both of them have behaved in ways recently that have me concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, like I'm concerned with the way Tara Reid's story keeps changing. Of course, I understand that there's a degree to which, you know, survivors of sexual trauma have to process that and it's not like a linear you know recovery cycle and so we can't there there's still so much that we as a culture don't know about how to have these conversations and how to support victims so that they can provide their story in a way that like matches with our our justice system and its onus on proof Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, Joe Biden, I thought really botched that interview. Yeah, it was on very cringeworthy. Joe. It was it, so bad. It only got worse. The more, I mean, it started off okay. He yeah. just kept flatly denying it, which works because she doesn't have, have any hard evidence against him. And then towards the end of the interview, I I was like, I was like looking through <laughs> through my fingers. It was it was very hard to watch because he just kept going in circles and. I don't I mean it was also cringeworthy because I thought the questions were were good 
but she just didn't have any like gotcha moments, in my opinion. And I think in that regard, he succeeded by not providing her with any gotcha moments. But I thought it was it was a missed opportunity to open up a much needed dialogue. I think where Joe really shot himself in the foot here is in the way that he tried to say what Laura so wished he would have, because it was less like I I invite an invitation and more like, oh, you can look, but you're not going to find anything. And that's not a good look. It doesn't really mm. fall in line with this idea that we should hear victims out whenever they come forward. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think he's actually going to be affected by this? I don't I think, think they're so. They're going to try. Who? Republicans. I think so, yeah, because they're, you know, you're already kind of starting to see this happen. I was reading that um New York Times article that one of you linked to and they had that whole segment about how his press secretary was basically saying that, you know, if Donald Trump had done anything, then the American people have already exonerated him because they voted for him anyway. So in their eyes, it's a moot point, but it's not a moot point for Joe Biden yet. So yeah, I, I just think I that don't... they're not scared of the idea because it didn't matter in 2016. So they won't hold back if they want to go that route. Yeah, I, I really don't give a shit what anybody who supports Trump thinks of this because I'm like, you voted for a guy who's been accused 24 times. And, you know, for me, where it, it starts to become a much more believable narrative is when you see a pattern of behavior. Joe Biden has a pattern of behavior of like touching people weirdly. That's mm-hmm. not deny Like, you can't deny that. We've seen the footage. It's there. But <laughs> is there a pattern of sexual assault? Right. Tara Reid seems to be the only person who's come forward so far. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that what she's saying isn't true. It could be. It means that we need to proceed with caution. There needs to be a proper investigation. Right. But 24 times and y'all didn't care about that. I don't want to hear shit about what you have to say about Joe Biden. Right. And of course, the iconic Access Hollywood tape. Yep. Grab him by the pussy. Grab him by the pussy. I would echo the thoughts that have been said here, particularly Laura's. And, you know, she raised the fact that, you know, for the Obama administration, he was basically the cornerstone of their effort to end sexual assault at colleges and universities. And so it was a bit troubling to watch that interview. And and what I likened it to is when Joe kind of gets a little bit heated on the debate stage and he starts Yelling is not the right word, but he starts getting very forceful with what he's saying. And it's you just look at him and he's like, Joe, you just need to calm down, think through what it is that you're saying. I think he had a real opportunity during this interview and he just didn't follow through on it. And given his role and his responsibility in the Obama administration in this particular area, you would thought that he would have been a bit more composed and a bit more thoughtful uh, in his response. He's just not composed and thoughtful anymore. That's just, you know, he's losing his mind, unfortunately. You know, and no amount of rehearsal might be able to save him. So they, the Democrats could still pick someone else. Just saying. <laughs> it's too late for Cuomo. that. I, I mean, actually te- do think he can win no. against Trump. Technically, it's not too late for that. I mean, optics wise. No, I just, I just mean, yeah, optics wise, mm-hmm. it's a disaster. <laughs> They're not going to change course now. It's Although, too late, especially with Joe has spent a lot of time in his basement 
for you, Laura. So <laughs> for you me, better be grateful. Yeah, <laughs> trying to take down Trump. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My my feeling is that this is probably not going to get as much attention as it normally would during an election cycle because of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, people are freaking out about their jobs. You know, people are taking pay cuts and getting fired and trying to figure out how to stay in their homes. So yeah. I think the average Joe probably wasn't paying attention to something like this. And the same may be true this summer when it comes to conventions. Can they even have anybody physically come to the convention this summer? Like, it would not be wise. No. So I don't know if they wanted to pull some shit. Might be the year to do it. Well, we'll see. And, They're not. And let's not forget, we don't know if, in fact, we will have debates. But this reminds me of what Trump did with Hillary back in 2016, where she, or sorry, he brought in those who accused President Clinton of misconduct mm-hmm. and stuck them right in the front row of the debate. I wouldn't be surprised should Biden and Trump debate, which I don't think they will because I don't think Trump will ever agree to a debate, that Tara Reid doesn't get a front row seat to that should she want to attend. And I think that's just the sick society that we live in today. I think Tara Reid is different from what I've heard so far. Tara Reid does not want Trump to become president. Those people who accuse Bill Clinton may have been Trump supporters to begin with. I don't know. But... um. That's fair. Well, we'll continue to update everybody as more developments come out. Changing gears now, we have a new sponsor this week who I'm very excited to tell you about because they make products we all use in our day-to-day lives. In fact, you may be using them right now. Those products are earbuds, and the company is Raycon. They make excellent wireless earbuds that are much more affordable than other premium competitors. Laura, a few weeks ago, you, I believe in hashing it out, were kicking around the idea of getting premium wireless headphones from one of your old employers, but you were hesitant because they're way too expensive Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to spend that much money. The fact is, though, everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. They are game changers when you find a pair that fit great in your ears. I cannot imagine using wired earbuds while working out or taking a walk anymore. The wires are incredibly annoying. But like I said, wireless headphones can be too expensive. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet, with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. They are perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts wherever you are. I have a pair of Raycons and I can confirm that they fit wonderfully in my ears. In fact, these are my new earbuds I'm using while going to bed because when I lay on my side, it doesn't hurt to wear these as they press between my head and the pillow, unlike other earbuds. So these were just a godsend. I'm so excited that they're sponsoring the show. They just naturally fit in my ears, and I was really surprised by that because many other earbuds I try do not. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash M-I-L-L. That's buyraycon.com slash M-I-L-L for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. 
Raycon.com slash M-I-L-L. So moving on to some coronavirus updates now. I saw this story this morning and I gasped. I am terrified by this latest development. The Trump administration internally is now predicting 3,000 deaths per day by the start of June, also projecting 200,000, 200,000 new cases per day. What the actual fuck? I cannot believe these numbers. And I did not feel this way before, but the Trump administration now needs to call for a national lockdown. We need to shut this country down for two weeks, three weeks, and get this under control once and for all. Yeah, I've wanted a national lockdown since the beginning of April. But it didn't seem realistic. I mean, when you look at the way this virus spreads and just like how infectious it is, uh, there are so many great infographics out there that show you the breakdown of like one person, one infected person can transmit to X number of people, and then each one of those people can transmit to X number of other people. And it, I mean, it's an exponentially higher transmission rate than the flu. <laughs> um, so it's, it's pretty bad. I think also, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but I feel like Illinois has done an okay job thus far. In, t- in terms of flattening the curve? Yeah. I'll pull up the latest data. I don't look too often. But also when you look at states like mine, um, you know, we're, we're the problem uh, because, you know, Georgia has reopened. And I think on May 13th is when everything fully reopens. Thus far, it's, you know, the nail salons and the bowling alleys. Um, but on May 13th, everything's supposed to be back open again. And... We've, a week from now. Yeah. And I mean, I think you called this before we started the show, but um, on like one of like yesterday, I think it was, we had a thousand new cases <laughs> on one of the first days that a lot of these businesses were open. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I think these numbers are absolutely terrifying if they are true, because right now... We have about 20,000 new cases per day, a little over that, in the United States alone. So to multiply that tenfold, I mean, how could anybody want to go out again? I don't. If 200,000 new cases are being reported every day, 3,000 new deaths. I mean, I don't know. This is why I was doing really, really well with sheltering in place until certain events transpired in my life that made it impossible for me to do so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it it makes me super pissed because I'm in a position right now where I can't totally isolate. Laura, the new cases in Illinois are actually steadily going up. I'm sorry. (laughs) We're on an upward trend. We've not flattened the curve yet. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and guess what? It was warm this weekend. Everybody was outside wearing masks for the most part, but everybody was outside hanging out at the park. Police weren't enforcing it, by the way. I mean, it's just a disaster. That's the way it is in California, too, with the beaches. Yeah. It's so bad. People yeah, just you can't knew, stay home. You knew of some people who were protesting beach closures, right? By proxy, yeah. So my my best friend, one of my best friends out here, she texted me and she was irate because a cousin of hers who lives out in Southern California was at a protest at Huntington Beach because 
the beach was closed. Open our beaches. We can only go to the beach year round. This is terrible. She she had attached a picture and my friend was saying that there was just so many people and none of them were wearing masks and they were all huddled together and it just looked like a complete shit show. See, my question with that though is, is what is it exactly that you think you gain by going out to the beach and you know, do you feel like a tan. your freedoms are being denied? I see that a lot on social media. I don't really understand it because <laughs> – and and I quote Cuomo, uh, our governor here in New York, who says, you, know, you don't have the right to give me coronavirus. You don't have the right to give anybody else coronavirus. So by acting in this way, and we've all heard it, you're putting other people at risk. You could kill people that you care about. And – the ignorance is just off the charts. Now, we're in a situation where now 226 people died between Sunday and today, right, in New York. That's low compared to where we've been over the course of the last several weeks, given that close to 20,000 people have died in the state. That's an absurd number of people to have lost their life for something that maybe couldn't have been fully prevented, but steps could have been taken to have created a much better outcome. So I have no tolerance and no patience for people who want to go out and just act like nothing's going on, who don't believe that this is a real threat. It's yeah. It, it really, really frustrates me. I, I can imagine. And I know that New York is more than just New York City, but I'm sure that it was equally as frustrating to see all those people in the West Village over the weekend as well. I mean, that was all over my Twitter timeline too. Mm-hmm. And it's like... My whole way of thinking about it, honestly, is that all of those places are still going to be there when this is all over. You can survive a season without going to, like, for us, it would be, like, Dolores Park or going to the beach or going to wherever you like to go when the sun is out. I think part of the issue is that this has been going on for so long now that people just can't believe that they still need to. They're like in denial about it at this point because they're so used to staying at home. Right. So they're just like, do I really have to stay out, uh, stay in again today? And then they just go outside. And everybody's just so used to the current situation, they don't really think it's a big deal anymore to go outside. Yeah, I would. That's my theory. I would kind of like, I would understand that a little bit more. I still wouldn't be, um, you know, I wouldn't agree with that philosophy, but I would understand it, except for the fact that this is. Like, the stuff with the beaches out here, that happened the first week we were on lockdown. You can't tell me that, mm-hmm. like, in the first week that you were forced to stay in your house, you couldn't forego the beach for one weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, here we have Piedmont Park in Atlanta. And this past weekend, it was sunny, 80 degrees, beautiful, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. People very, can't resist. Yeah, very we're, few we're- people even wore masks. I was seeing it all over Twitter. Made me want to vomit. It's hard for me to even blame people for going outside because I know the feeling of really wanting to go out and enjoying warm weather after winter. This is also coming at bad timing. I just think for, you know, our mental health, like everybody wants to get outside to celebrate spring and summer. Um, And imagine Memorial Day weekend. That's the unofficial start of summer here in America. Everybody goes out, barbecues. It's funny you mention that because they've already canceled all of the the 4th of July, speaking of like national holidays, they've already canceled all the 4th of July parades out here 
and all the county fairs and stuff like that. Mm. So, oh, not out here. I, I think that they're trying to make it like as unattractive to leave the house as possible if there's nothing to do, but it's clearly not working. I don't want to be alarmist, but I really think 200,000 new cases a day is catastrophic just for the economy. Yes. Uh, obviously, from a public health perspective, like that, I saw that this morning and I was like, I think I seriously think it's time to go build a cabin in the woods and just just live there for like six months. Lakeside cabin, have a coffee every morning, stare out <laughs> at the beautiful lake at sunrise. Just forget about everything that's going on. I'll have internet, Pat in Brooklyn. What else do I need? I'll have space. We'll have space to breathe, non-COVID infected air. I just really think we're getting at the point where we need to all just like get the fuck out of cities. Well, and honestly, like because we're in this for the long haul. That speaks volumes coming from you, the person that can't go a week without going to Costco. <laughs> yeah, it's funny <laughs> I know, because that's where I'm at. Yeah. over the last couple of weeks, you've been like, oh, yeah, you've Cam been shitting Laura. on me and Laura for staying inside <laughs> the house. Come on, guys, get out into the city. Yeah. Well, now I'm seeing that it's only going to get worse by June, like. And by, I don't know if I mentioned that, but the, these were the pr- their projections for where we're going to be at the start of June. So we're only about a month away, and uh, it's time for me to go on Airbnb and find a cabin. These projections are coming from the Trump administration, correct? Yes. So they might not be right. No, but here's the thing. If you look at the total number of deaths since this began here in the United States, we're closing in on 70,000. Mm-hmm. Think about the way that you deface the memory of 70,000 people who have died by going out because you just feel like you need to go to the beach or you need to just do whatever it is that you want to do. I'm not saying don't go outside. I think that's what a lot of people are saying. You can go outside, but be smart about it. You know, wear a mask, cover your face, keep your distance from other people. I'm not telling you to be on complete lockdown, but to the point earlier, I think we should have gone on lockdown earlier on. I think it would have made a huge difference, but the bottom line is we don't have any leadership except in our respective states. There is no leadership coming from Washington, D.C. that's saying this is what you need to do other than Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Who is there in Washington that you would really trust and believe? And Trump doesn't care. He wants to move on to the next thing. He could care less in in many ways about what's going on right now, and yeah, he he just was not prepared for this. And quite honestly, I don't really know that he cares much. His empathy level is like negative five hundred. And they would rather risk tanking the economy for the next three years over absolutely tanking it for the next two weeks. Does that make sense? Like he, they don't want. They could have shut everything down for two weeks. Right. What, a month ago, month and a half ago? But they didn't because they were nearsighted. They were thinking about, oh, my God, the impact that would create across this country if we shut this country down for two weeks. Now, here we are six weeks later. We could have uh, stomped the curve. But instead, you know, that curve is staying steady, dipping a little bit countrywide. But I don't know. I, we'll see where we are a month from now. Hopefully, it's not 200,000 cases. Hopefully, the Trump administration is wrong. Yeah, well, I think they decided to take the economic gamble, which is that there's not very much that could take Trump down 
when it comes to re-election. He's an incumbent, yeah. so that already gives him very strong re-election odds. Um, clearly, people don't care that he's a racist, rapist, son of a bitch. But what people do care about is the economy. So they knew that they had to do whatever they could to try and save the economy uh, in the short term, because Americans also have really short attention spans. So they're only thinking about November. Now, where this might have bitten them in the ass is because they've been in denial, the economic impact could end up being much greater. Yeah, Totally. And you can't have a healthy economy without healthy people to work it. So they go hand in hand with each other. So we have to solve one before we solve the other. So I think we need to keep that in mind. You know, this whole idea of getting the economy started up, well, doesn't mean anything if four weeks from now we turn around and we're in the same situation or worse than we were back in the middle of March. Mm -hmm. And it looks like we're going to blow past the lower side of that one projection that the Trump administration did make that we would have, what, a minimum of 120,000 deaths? At this rate right now, we're going to easily surpass, surpass that. And Laura, just quickly, wanted to mention, I think you found out about this in the past week, um, so you haven't said it on air yet, but you're going to be working from home now through the end of August, right? Yeah. I won't be back until September at the earliest. Dang. Mm-hmm. Will you even recognize your office by the time you're back in there? I don't know. I don't even know where I sit anymore. You probably won't. Yeah, because they're <laughs> going to spread everybody out in the office. They're going to reorganize it. So something else that um, I thought was just kind of a an inspiring COVID story, but also kind of funny. So the governor of Maryland managed to procure 500,000 COVID tests from South Korea, and he is now stockholding them in a secret location or like stockpiling them in a secret location that's guarded by the National Guard, the Maryland National Guard, so that the federal government can't take them. <laughs> that's amazing. Good. It's like, okay, you're going to you're going to put the responsibility on the states, fine. We'll get our tests. <laughs> Fuck you. Right. <laughs> right. It's only a matter of time before Trump starts asking for those tests. Well, and speaking you of tests, it. you still can't get any. So Again, going back to the point of leadership. In LA, you can though, right, Pam? I believe yes. Um, Any resident can yeah, get a test for and, free. And no I'm, questions asked. Well, I'm not asked. out there anymore, so I it's kind of hard to follow all the news from everywhere. But I believe also up here in Northern California, there. Oh, Jules says yes. In LA, you can. Um, up in Northern mm -hmm. California, it's similar. They're working on a a way to to do that as well. And some of the smaller unincorporated town. Unincorporated towns have started saying that they'll be able to test everybody that lives within the town limits. So mm -hmm. it's a That's good start. Right. Yeah, maybe I should rephrase that and just say that there aren't enough tests still six to seven weeks after the fact of this really first getting underway. You see it all the time with you know mayors, you see governors, you see senators on TV talking about the fact that they just don't have enough tests to be able to test everybody. Yeah. Make sure that yeah. Which which we need in order to reopen the country because people aren't going to want to go to a movie theater not knowing if these people have COVID-19 that they're sharing the theater with. Totally. Yeah, there's a drive-through testing center mm -hmm. not too far from me. Um like down in the city. I've kind of hesitated though because I know how limited testing is, and I'm taking my temperature every day. Are you? Not Yeah, I take my temperature every day because I have seasonal allergies. So oh. 
like I I already have COVID symptoms all the time because of pollen. So yeah, allergies. The, yeah. The only way. Yeah. The only way for me to know for sure that I'm not like I haven't contracted COVID perhaps is to run my temperature and make sure I don't have a fever unless I'm an asymptomatic carrier, which is a whole other issue. Take a Zyrtec and see if in like an hour you (laughs) you still have the symptoms. And if you don't, you're fine. That's what I do. Oh, I still do. I take Zyrtec every day. doesn't help. What if Laura and Micah discover that Zyrtec cures COVID-19? That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Trump would be so excited. I had a dream the other night, y'all, that... uh, (laughs) That you cured it? (laughs) No, that they discovered that people who take antidepressants have a much lower um, uh, infection rate. What? And that there was... And, like, they weren't able to put their finger on it, but there was something about antidepressants that correlated with a lower infection rate of COVID-19. So they were like, we're just going to start giving everybody antidepressants. And I was like, this is great. Everybody's like going to get treated for their mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that bat that got eaten was depressed as fuck. Maybe. Who knows? So, Luxapros, it's kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I take my temperature every day just to stay on top of it. And my thinking is like, I would rather people who... Mm are more like people who are in the service industry, for example, and have to go to work. Like I want them to have access to the tests. I can stay home. And they better be taking their temperature. Ugh. You know what? I was going to say that speaking of taking temperature, all of the grocery stores out here, they are taking people's temperature at the door. Like not people that are shopping, but um, employees just to make sure that they're fine. There's talk that that's what theme parks are going to do as well once they reopen. One of those cool laser temperature things, you just point it at their forehead mm-hmm. and then you can instantly get a reading. You know what? I Honestly, have one of those. it's probably for the best because on, on a good year, parents like to take their kids out even when they can't be in school because they're sick. So, you know, leave the germs at home, honestly. Don't most theme parks take your fingerprint anyway? Can't they just try and get your temperature off of that? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Micah, you won't be allowed in the parks at all if they start taking temperatures because you're always too hot to handle. I know. <laughs> See, I knew I should come back on the show. Andrew, you have to save this stuff for after dark. Come on, man. (laughs) But speaking of uh, grocery stores, uh, I don't know if this is the case in other states, but here in New York, they've put arrows in the aisles so you can only Mm -hmm. walk in one direction. Honestly, I wish they did that here because people don't know how to get around other people. (laughs) Yeah, they did that in our stores. Oh, yeah, grocery stores are a mess. You yeah, can't keep really six bad. feet from people. Mm-mm. I noticed we went grocery shopping the other day and they had they were counting the number of people going in and out and there was yep. a limit yep. as to how many yeah. people could be there. So it actually, it wasn't too full. The issue was that over 50% of the people in there were not wearing masks and were not practicing social distancing. So As of May 1st here in Chicago, if you can't keep six feet from people, you have to be wearing a mask. And a lot of stores are now requiring that you wear a mask to enter, which is good. But again, by the way, these masks don't really do much. So it's more of an optics thing. I think people just feel more comfortable, too, seeing everybody else wear masks. And I think, did I I talk about this? About how, because our our county is, um, has been on mandatory masks for about three weeks now. Like, so you have to, if you leave the house and you're going to be in a public place, put a mask on. But I feel like the mask emboldens people. 
because they think, oh, I have a mask on. So if I if I'm like if I'm if I stand a little bit closer, since everybody has their mask right. on, it's okay. So I, it is safe. a false security. Yeah. Didn't yeah. the CDC kind of change their tune on the effectiveness of masks, though? Because I feel like the latest I read was that cloth masks are more effective. But in order for a high effectiveness percentage, everybody would need to wear them. So if everybody yeah. actually wore them, they would probably work a little better. The problem is that everyone's not. And I think that's why it's countywide where I am, because that was the only way that they could sort of make sure mm-hmm. with with like the threat of handing out citations if they find you without one. So they are making it pretty you know, hard not not to leave the house. But also, they're not medical grade, and they don't actually create a seal. And then I see a lot of idiots just covering their mouths and not their nose. Yeah, well, that's... If we all had N95 masks, okay, great. But we're buying these cloth masks off eBay. For all we know, they're already infected with COVID-19. God knows I made my own. where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah, my like... grandma made us some. It was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I, and we I definitely washed them. What I was watching the other day but they actually showed the the um the distance that a cough travels it's pretty impressive <laughs> sounds terrifying <laughs> mike is impressed by <laughs> no the distance a cough goes yeah no you're right and they uh, something i read says that coronavirus can stay in the air up to 3 hours after it's been projected if you think a cough is impressive you should see a sneeze i saw a graphic of a sneeze it goes even further really you're really sending it out of your nose Mm yeah it's not rockets (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah so uh everything's crazy i'm really worried about the next month or two if anybody knows a good cabin i can escape to are you still on this bat kick too you mentioned the bat earlier what about the bat the bat i don't think it came from a bat it came from a bat. Oh, you have these theories about it being created in a lab. We don't. We can't get into that. We don't have time. <laughs> Why not? Isn't that what the show is all about? It started with a bat, Micah. No, it didn't. Those <laughs> markets have been around for a long time, a long time, and there's never been an issue. All it takes is one bat that's depressed, and before you know it, the whole didn't take world... his Lexapro for the day. <laughs> Listen, Lexapro has come in so clutch for me during all of this. Mm-hmm. I am so glad. I'm not knocking Lexapro. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm giving an endorsement. Uh, and I've been relying on alcohol. So thank you, alcohol. You've been coming in clutch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I managed to rustle up some green. So I've been relying on that too. And it's been great. Oh, yeah. Laura messaged me over the weekend. My family came together and rebuilt my vape pen. I love them so much. I was like, wow, that's love. Yeah. I had my first dreamless sleep the other night for the first time in a few weeks. It was pretty nice. Good. Yeah. Speaking of having to, of Andrew's concern about the state of transmission in our society, uh, I recently was put in a position where I had to go from being pretty religious about quarantining uh, to having to break quarantine. And if you want to hear all that tea, it's in last week's After Dark. Um, But TLDR... There's some stuff that needs to be fixed in my house. Can't wait. So I'm having to deal with contractors and repair people coming in and out. Um, literally, every time I go meet them, I have a mask on <laughs> and I stand as far away from them as I can. But 
I wanted to hear some of y'all's stories about things that have happened that have also forced you to break quarantine. Um, Because it seems like while it's good intention, sometimes the quarantine rhetoric can be a little dismissive of actual reasons that people have to break quarantine, right? Like there are certain emergencies or life circumstances that can come up um, that can cause you to have to do that. And I thought we could listen to some of what y'all had to say. And you definitely gave a lot of examples here. Um, So Ryan said, I'm moving to a new house in two weeks. Ooh. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can't. That's exciting, though. It is exciting, but I cannot imagine the stress of being in the middle of a move during this. Yeah. Yeah. Because the mover, you think about, like, the movers, for example. They're going in and out of a lot of houses. They're eating out, probably, in between jobs. Yeah. Well, and then you think about, you know, you and whoever you might be living with interacting with those movers. And then maybe you guys are eating out a lot because you're busy moving. Yeah. So who knows what else you're being exposed to in that way? Or if I don't know if they're bu- if Ryan's buying a house, but real estate agents, they're going in and out of houses mm-hmm. all the time. I or saw a sign. Leasing agents. Yeah. If you're yeah, renting. They're, they're yeah. on the move all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these employees are still considered essential. So like I learned, for example, that plumbers are considered essential workers. Well, yeah. Somebody yeah. got to unclog that toilet. Yep. <laughs> we're all taking big poops right now because we're all so nervous. <laughs> um, Shane said that he had to. <laughs> That's why everybody's buying toilet paper, Micah. Yep. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Shane said that he had to fly home to the U.S. from England to be with family instead of being alone. He's pursuing a master's degree, I believe, uh, in England. And his family is all over here. And... I can't imagine how stressful it would be to be an international student and not really have a support system over there and then be going through something like this. But he did note that when he came home, he self-isolated in a hotel for two weeks before going back to his family. That's great. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't let the uh, housekeeping in. (laughs) um... (laughs) Andrew would just be huddled in a corner like, stay out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love getting housekeeping. That's part of the fun of a hotel room. I saw that United announced that they are going to stop selling the middle seats, at least for the next few months, which is great. So air travel will never be better because you you get to have an open seat next to you on the plane. That's not six feet. Well, it's better than, I mean, you can't expect them to keep an entire row to one person. What about the person I mean, behind you? Yeah. If they sneeze on exposed. you, cough on you. They're going to seriously going to have to install like glass. Yeah. They're going to have to in between the each row. Guards, yeah. The like s- they do at the grocery store. Or you're in a taxi yeah. cab. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every We're going to be living in a bubble for the rest of our lives. Like, you know how 9-11 changed things in so many ways. Like, COVID-19 is going to change things in so many ways. I saw what they're planning in Vegas. They're going to set up all these glass walls in between each player at a single table. What? <laughs> between each player and the dealer. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, yeah. I guess the only was... upside to that is that they'll have to hire more people to clean those. And we're going to need more jobs. So Yeah, that's, yeah, true. that's a good point. Not to mention all of the engineers who are who are going to be needed to figure out how to translate our current 
spacing into something right. that's more sustainable in like a Let's... post-COVID-19 <gasps> world. Oh, man. Why don't we start a new side hustle where we consult on like the best way to spread out your workforce? <laughs> we'll hire some like glass engineers and we'll have them build things that we can put into offices who hire us. We can let Micah cough and we can see how far the cough goes. <laughs> Micah is our cough expert. <laughs> yeah. Micah is our cough technician. Yes, we hired Micah. He saw a graphic one time. So he is our <laughs> resident expert on how far a cough can go. The cough Micah, chair. take it away. It'll have to be from the cough chair. <laughs> we wheel Micah in. <laughs> Um, so Jen is saying that her husband is a medical malpractice attorney. Um, they're still in a state that is open and everyone in the office is required to wear a mask and gloves. And the paralegals and support staff who don't have the capacity to work from home are now on a rotating schedule. So only a third of them are in the office per day. Hmm. I actually know somebody who's in this kind of situation. Um, there's like, three of them per day that can come in and they just sit really far away from each other. It's going to be interesting, like you said, Andrew, to see how like life post COVID is like we think about, you know, I think all of us remember pretty well what life was like pre 9-11 and some of the things you used to be able to do that you can't do anymore. Mm. So like going to the gate at an airport. Yeah. Yep. If you didn't have even if you didn't have a ticket mm-hmm. to fly. I did not start flying until until 2006, so I never experienced that, mm. and I, I've never known it any other way than what it is right now. So just the idea of like my mom walking with me to the gate to say goodbye or to greet me is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, because I, I watched, I think it was Bill Maher a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about the exact same thing. But more so, his hope that we don't react or overreact, I should say, post-COVID-19 like we did post-9-11. Not to say that the security measures that are, are put in place um, you know, aren't extremely beneficial, but just thinking some of the things that we've done uh, as it relates to the Department of Homeland Security, how it relates towards immigrants, how it relates towards starting TSA. unnecessary wars in mm-hmm. countries that had nothing to do with 9-11. Um, you know, America has a tendency to overreact to things or Americans do specifically. And his hope was that that's not the case, that we learn from some of our overreactions post 9-11. So I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I hope so too. But it seems like Trump is gearing up to try and shift all the blame to China. Um, his latest rhetoric on that has been like, we must hold China responsible for hiding this from us, for hiding the full extent just like Trump disease. hit the threat yeah. to this country. Exactly. He knew in January, potentially earlier. So here's here's the thing. I mean, I'm not going to go into necessarily where I work, um, but I can tell you that our offices over in China um, shut down very quickly once this situation escalated in Wuhan. Um, and that was definitely towards the latter part of last year. So the fact that our government wouldn't have the knowledge that this virus exists is also about not just being reactionary, right? It's about being proactive. So maybe Mm -hmm. if you see something going on in another part of the world, and given how global we are as a society, don't just assume it's going to stay there. 
Yep. Right. Exactly. And I think going forward, we will be more proactive. We will be ready to all work from home. I don't mean like us as employees, but bosses will be ready to switch everybody to work from home a lot quicker than they did this time. I agree. But also, I mean, if you look at the Obama presidency and the Bush presidency, both administrations were preparing for the potential of a major global pandemic. And Trump came into office and defunded all of those programs that they spent two administrations building. And then proceeded to pretend like this wasn't a problem until April. Which should be talked about every day. Every day. If this was Hillary, Hillary had fired the pandemic group and all that. You know, this would be the top story on Sean Hannity every night. This would be Benghazi. Mm -hmm. But we don't talk about it. If we had Hillary, first of all, she would have done a way better job of handling this. Um, But it wouldn't have mattered how prepared she was. Fox News would have turned it into Hillary's catastrophe. This is Hillary's 9-11. 20 people died in America on her watch due to coronavirus. She needs to go. Trump 2020. Yeah, it would be... COVID Gazi. COVID Gazi. COVID gate. Okay. Uh, We still have a couple here. Lily says, actually, that she's heading back to Hong Kong from the UK this weekend. Um, so she works over there. She's a teacher, but when she gets there, she's going to have to be quarantined for two weeks in her apartment and she'll have to wear an electronic bracelet that tracks her Ooh. to make sure she doesn't, I actually know somebody, um, that this happened to, they, um, tested positive. We're in the hospital for a while. They live in the mid East and they got sent home. But for a while, they had to quarantine after being sent home, and they had to wear an ankle bracelet that tracked them. And if they left the house, the authorities were alerted. Wow. So, yeah. Pretty intense. Um, Luis said that his grandfather actually passed away um, Mm. at the beginning of the outbreak, and that he, his parents and siblings all had to go to Mexico for the funeral and they weren't able to observe two weeks of quarantining when they arrived because the funeral was on the day of their arrival. So just another example of a real life circumstance that, you know, doesn't always allow for the amount of quarantining or social distancing that we might prefer. But it just shows that, you know, there are plenty of circumstances like, you know, wanting to go to the beach that don't rise to the occasion of, breaking quarantine. Kristen also works in agriculture, so thus is essential. Um, And then Kelsey has to break quarantine daily because she lives with, uh, she's living with her parents while she completes grad school and they're small business owners who run a restaurant. And so she's assisting with takeout orders. This is a break quarantine household. Pat was laid off, so now he's doing Grubhub deliveries, and I want to have him on in the weeks ahead to talk about that a little bit. Um, so, you know, he's out and about. He's wearing a mask. He's avoiding people where he can, but, you know, he's still out and about. And I I uh, wrecked my back, and now I'm going to the chiropractor three times a week. And by the way, last week, nobody was wearing masks in there, including the employees. They started as of this week um, because I think they were getting complaints from people being like, why isn't everybody in here wearing masks? They're wiping everything down 
all the time. And I see that. And they're encouraging social distancing and they're scheduling so that as few people are in the office as possible at any given moment. But yeah, I mean, some of us still got to go out to make a living, to fix our backs, to buy groceries. But national lockdown, that's just what we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you're giving birth or you're facing death, you're on death's doorstep, you aren't allowed to go outside. That's it. No, there are no other caveats. No, I, I agree with you on a national lockdown. And with that needs to come a moratorium on evictions, um, some kind of, you know, regular UBI, universal basic income, as well as a moratorium on turning off people's utilities. Because if you're going to lock shit down and people can't go to work, you can't evict them for not being able to pay their bills. And Trump can send every American, every American, no matter how much you make, $2,000, $3,000, to cover those two weeks that we're all forced to stay indoors. That way, nobody has to go out and work either or feel guilty that they're staying inside because they have to work. You know, House Democrats were trying to push um, $2,000 a month through July, I think it was. Of course, that's never going to pass the House. Um, But... The fact, like the fact that you have even more moderate Democrats pushing for a thousand dollars a month through the summer is—I mean—it shows that I think the Democratic Party has their mind in the right place. Apparently, there's supposed to be more stimulus money coming. There has to be. There's yeah. going to be. There has to be. Well, when I get round one, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> yeah, please let me know. I'll let you know if I. Uh, Micah, you probably make too that. much. You're probably not eligible. That, that's not a thing. <laughs> Yes, it is a thing. <laughs> Micah makes too much. I just figured it out. I'm happy for you, Micah. Micah does well. I mean, I don't think that's what it means necessarily. Because like... Oh, not necessarily, but it's a good theory. <laughs> well, I mean, even if you make more than the 75, you still get stuff. You just don't get the whole 1200 Well, Micah's a millionaire. They don't cover Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Micah, you need to build us a compound. there we go buy me a lakeside cabin micah (laughs) we'll put a micah chair in it (laughs) and we'll actually deem it the micah chair because he bought the lakeside cabin gotta be more than one more than one micah chairs for every room in the house we'll adopt them from all the hotels (laughs) since they're being neglected in there clean them first (laughs) no cloth chairs yeah only stuff that can be desanitized (laughs) Um, Well, we wanted to take a quick break here just to give a shout out to our latest patrons. Um, So many of you signed up after last week's episode, and it's overwhelming in like the best possible way to see the the swell of support that we got after last week's episode. So we just wanted to give y'all a quick shout out. I'm going to take some of the names. Pam is going to take some of the names. Um, So shout out to Alex S., uh, Caitlin Sabix, Shanti O, Dana G, Abigail G, Marisabel M, Alyssa G, Elisa S, Andrew V, Heather T, Ruby S, Brandon W, Brandy S, Tiffany H, Emma G, Liz Austin W, Ree, Albert, April C, Anna F, Kristen K, Karina V, Susanna M, Andrea G. And I'll pass off to Pam for the rest. Yes. And also shout out to Layla G, Elizabeth, Savannah T, Amy P, Anon, 
Adna, Sarah B, Vicky B, Amy B, Christian F, Corinna L, Julia R, Lisa E, Elizabeth S, Alex S, Mikkel, Taylor M, Jordan, Elise, April, Josephine L, Tammy L, Christina L, Lucas H, Bridget B, and Sonia. Thank you so much. We are definitely like speechless. Honestly, we've been talking yeah. about this the last few days and we just can't believe it. I know. Like every day I go into the, into our Slack and I'm like, there's there's like five more. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's really heartwarming to see. And I think what we're learning here is if we can open up and be honest with you, you respond in a big way. So it's nice to know that we're being heard and you're responding to what we've been talking about. We've been talking, Mike, on the show about how we've been losing advertisers oh. because nobody's going out and spending money. So none of these advertisers want to advertise on podcasts right now. So we need the extra help right now. And yeah, people have come through. And I think everybody's been really overjoyed that Mike has been on twice this mm-hmm. year now. So they also want to pledge for that of reason. Course. Also, Please. just want to give a shout out that we are now at 666 patrons. <laughs> well, <laughs> which, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> that, that, just feels that's a sign. very appropriate. I'm not, please, <laughs> I don't want to stop there. I'm just saying I wanted to uh, take a moment of acknowledgement. I don't want to stop at 666. Are you kidding me? Somebody's going to lose their audio file every week. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm saying like, I don't want to stop there, but I just Mm -hmm. wanted to take a moment to observe just the perfection. Thanks for the explanation, though, because I I was expecting to hear Count Ravioli and a few others show up and... (laughs) And I realized that we weren't doing Quizage. No, I don't. I don't know if Count Ravioli is a uh, listener of Millennial. We'll have to ask the oh, Count. Count Ravioli. <laughs> so anyway, thanks again to everybody who's pledging at Patreon.com/slash/Millennial, and we have a exciting After Dark coming up today. We'll be talking about Midnight Sun being published this August. I guess uh, Stephanie Meyer's coffers were looking a little light as well, so she needed to get something out there that would sell big time. And Midnight Sun will do it. Michael will be first in line at the midnight release parties at Borders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is, does Borders even exist anymore? No, that was the joke. But okay. I have to give a shout out to Borders. We did the imprint tour with we Borders. Did. We crossed the country mm-hmm. doing live imprint shows at those lovely bookstores. And now they are yep. a thing of the past. I'll be, uh, I'll be wearing my quarter quell outfit. Oh my God, Micah, that's you. That's the wrong story. But there is the Sorry. Hunger Games spinoff coming, of course, no, later later this month. So great year for um, <laughs> book series we used to adore. You know who's not having a good week though is uh, movie theaters, but also Universal Pictures. Um, they're actually feuding right now. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. It's been pretty big inside baseball news over on the entertainment front, and it's just. Super silly, but we're going to break it down for you anyway. Basically, this all started because Universal, like a lot of different studios, decided they were going to release a choice number of titles that should have hit theaters but didn't, given the shutdowns everywhere. One of the titles that they did release uh, to premium video on demand for rental on April 10th was Trolls World Tour. And this movie did numbers, you guys. In case you missed it, uh, they cashed in big. It raked in $100 million in the first three weeks on premium video on demand. And this is a really big deal because when movies hit the theaters, the studios that make them, while they're in the movie movie theaters, they only pocket about 50% of the profits, which is still a lot of money for these huge juggernaut titles. 
In contrast, Universal was able to pocket 80% of the profits because they released it straight to people that wanted to rent. So they're having a field day, so much so that the CEO over at NBC Universal, Jeff Shell, said that as soon as theaters reopen, Universal expects to release more movies on both formats. So this is why AMC got really pissed off. And they basically said that if Universal is hinting that they're going to be simultaneously releasing movies now to rent on demand in homes, and also trying to double dip and put them on big screens, they're not going to be showing any more Universal movies at all, because it would be in violation of the 90 day window. Regal also chimed in, and this is kind of a big deal because AMC and Regal are like the top two theater chains across the world. So the fact that they're kind of, you know, going head to head with Universal is a big deal, but they were a little less drastic with this. They basically just said that any movie that violated the 90 day window, they would not show on the big screen because it wouldn't make financial sense. They didn't specifically blacklist Universal altogether. So they would be open to playing Universal titles so long as they did not violate this 90-day exclusivity that theaters usually get movies for. So that's where we're at. It's so embarrassing. You know, the whole time I was following along on this news story, I was trying to figure out who really has the upper hand here, because people seem to be kind of split on this. It's like you would assume... That, that theaters would have the upper hand because studios know that there are certain movies that we as moviegoers want to see on the big screen. But at the same time, theaters can't operate without these big movies. That's how they make their money. So it's a really big deal for AMC to say, listen, like it doesn't matter what you put out, Universal, if you even put one title out you know, and try and simultaneously double dip into these two formats, then we don't want any of your movies. Especially when you take into account that they have these huge titles coming out. Fast and Furious is coming out next year. Top Gun Maverick is supposed to come out towards the end of this year. There's a new Jurassic World coming out. And you're telling me AMC isn't going to show the new Fast and Furious movie? That's what I'm saying. That's how they make their money. People buy the popcorn for that. And I think to your question, who has the upper hand? I think it is the studios because they can still release these on streaming services and make a fuckload of money. If Trolls World Tour, Trolls World Tour, who's watching that? It's I am. parents buying it for their kids. You are, <laughs> Micah. Fantastic. You saw oh, Trolls so World Tour. I kind of believe I you. You watch a lot of stuff. So I bet I bet that's something you watch. <laughs> I <laughs> no, didn't it- even know that was a thing. What, that I would watch it? No, I'd never heard of it <laughs> before this discussion. It It's funny that you say that, though, because I was looking through a bunch of movies on demand over the weekend, and Trolls was one that popped up. Yeah. I, I know I haven't seen it, but I yeah, but think about it. The fact all these kids are home, it's a perfect opportunity to go and release the film, and mom and dad are going to get it for their kids right but the studios have the upper hand because let's say they decide to release fast and furious exclusively on on on-demand services 20 bucks why do you need to see that in a theater like yeah okay it's great to have the big screen experience and everything's loud but you can go out now and buy a 65 75 inch tv you can buy a sound bar that at home theater experience is very good these days And there's so much bullshit you have to deal with at the movie theaters. People being loud. 
smelly people, the high price of movie tickets, getting to the movie theater, people making out two rows behind you. People leaving their garbage on the floor of the movie theater. That's true. People sitting right in front of you five seconds before the movie's about to start. There's so many problems. And every time I go to a theater these days, I'm annoyed. I can't see kids' movies anymore. I can't go see Frozen 2 in peace or Toy Story 4 in peace. You gotta go with the old people like me at 10 (sighs) a.m. So you're right. I have a question. It could be a dumb question, um, but please, I've I've heard of, of all of this like hand wringing happening with AMC in particular, and it just strikes me as odd that they didn't seize this opportunity to launch their own app. Oh, like a and streaming release, service? Yeah, like release their own streaming service and like why they haven't been on this already. Like why this, like they have to see this is the direction the industry is going in. And it's shocking to me that they weren't ahead of the curve on this one. Because can you imagine if AMC had their own app and they were like, you know what, for the same price that you pay to come to our shitty theaters, <laughs> you can stay at home. Tell us how you really feel. We'll pay a lot less money in overhead. <laughs> Because we won't have to pay to keep these fucking theaters open. You stay at home, pay the same price. You can even, you've like, you have 8,000 of those fucking AMC passes you've gotten from Costco or for Christmas <laughs> gifts. You can use those too. Like, I literally have eight AMC passes stuck to my fridge that I cannot use right now. <laughs> I would love to be able to punch them into an app and fucking use them. So it's just yeah. shocking to me that this wasn't part of the equation for their business model Mm. on well first of all i think it's important also to point out that amc was struggling even before the shutdown happened they were already like contemplating filing for bankruptcy this might be the thing that pushes them over the edge i wouldn't be surprised if this is just like a desperate move um but i think that like honestly the real losers here are you know maybe like single individuals that that live at home, unless AMC can do what Laura is saying and figure out a way to, you know, launch something that has a competitive price point. Because right now, something like Trolls, you can rent for $20, but you can't own, which is great if you're a family of four or five, because the breakdown of that is really attractive. But if you're just like one person by yourself trying to watch Trolls, I don't know. $20? Totally worth it. (laughs) I I was going to make a similar point. I I think the one place where, whether it's the theater or even the the movie company loses out is in just the total number of, of tickets sold, right? So you can get not even a family of four. Like Let's say your kid post COVID wants to have all of his or her friends over to watch the movie. They can watch it for 20 bucks versus going to the theater and you know to to Pamela's point about you know they lose out on hundreds of dollars because how much does a ticket cost ticket cost probably maybe for a kid it's a little cheaper but still you know um and but I do see you know we were talking earlier about what does the post covid world look like i think movie theaters can be one of the casualties of covid-19 mm-hmm. i i really do think because you know yes there's that independence factor being able to go out to a movie and enjoy it, but you raised a lot of reasons why people don't like doing it, Andrew. I mean, whether it's noisy people or sticky floors or overpriced tickets. A half hour of trailers? Like, why? Yeah. You can easily turn on your TV, boot up whatever movie you want. It comes right from the the movie production company. 
and that's it. I mean, you, you pay 20 bucks. It's a one-time watch, but you're fine with it because you can watch it with your significant other, your family, your kids, whoever it is. And like, you know, people make out in the movie theaters. Think of what you can do in the privacy of your own home while the movie's playing. <laughs> I mean, you can be naked and fucking while watching You've Got Mail. <laughs> while watching Toy Story 4. <laughs> Andrew's not speaking from experience here. <laughs> Disney Plus has been great for my sex life. <laughs> That's a do not you social. Can, <laughs> you can buy a box of popcorn. Right. Right. For less than it costs that big ass tub you get. And it's stale by the end of it anyway. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. I, There's I, a lot of upside to it. I hope this is not the end of movie theaters. I, I'm being critical of them, but it is nice to get out of the house and go see a movie with somebody or by yourself just get that big screen experience that community experience that's Especially what we've all loved events, about movies too. yeah like star wars it's like you want to see that and yeah and, exactly and experience the reaction of the people around you totally end of harry potter end of twilight i think a lot of us remember where we were and the experiences we had seeing the final harry potter or twilight or hunger games movie so yeah, I remember just what was it last year when I was in the movie theater and you find out Credence is a Dumbledore and everyone in the theater just <laughs> yeah. turns to each other and it's like what? It's like, what the fuck? Excuse <laughs> me, what just happened? <laughs> That's the fun of it. Right. That's the great part of a movie theater. No, so. actually, what happened, Micah, is that we all saw it coming and we were like, "Please, God, no." No, yeah, you were true. still like, but I can't that, believe they went there, and everybody came to the general yeah. consensus. The thirty-second you know, glimpse that we got into what was about to happen and then it happened. My crackpot theory is that movie studios will be able to make just as much selling it directly at home than they would forcing people to see it in a movie theater. If it's a big movie like Fast and Furious, Fantastic Beasts 3, Star Wars, etc. But the smaller films, you know, they're going to struggle. And the other thing is, if movie theaters were to go out of business, studios will have to rely on great sales digitally. And if the sales aren't there anymore, then the budgets for these movies are going to shrink. And then these movies might actually get shitty. Or they won't. Green light. I mean, I know that we say, oh, no more sequels. But at the same time, like, Say if Harry Potter is getting adopted today, but it doesn't make, like, Sorcerer's Stone does not make enough money to greenlight a sequel. How pissed off would you be that you didn't get all seven movies? Or watch, in the next three Fantastic Beast movies, the characters are going to lose their ability to conjure spells because they can't afford the special effects. Hey, <laughs> maybe they'll go back to being about the beasts. Those are special Ooh. effects, too. What are they going to do? Hire a Yeah, they're going to have dog? to get- Real beasts. <laughs> Be like people bound. dressed up as, as beasts. <laughs> Call up Joe Exotic. Let's get some of those tigers. <laughs> no, the but the other thing I think we're not thinking about here is is piracy too, and and that could play a huge oh, role yeah. into big time. You know, loss of revenue for these movie companies if they do decide to shy away from the theaters in the next couple of years, because we we've seen it with major you know television series. What's happened with even Game of Thrones in those last two seasons, those episodes were leaking out. Yeah. I think it's very possible, you know, you see the same thing with, with these major motion pictures as well. You know what they'll have to do? And I'm not kidding. They're going to have to watermark the movies. It's going to have to say your name and your email address on it to prevent you from filming it. And it's going to say it in the frame, not above it, because you can easily crop that out. All right. It's time for recommendations. 
One of the bright spots in my week has been watching Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel's nightly monologues. I don't watch them live, um, but they're always posted to YouTube. And they've been so good. They've been doing them at their homes. There's no studio audience, but they've actually been able to handle it really well. Unlike, in my opinion, Bill Maher. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's the only way I can watch Trump's daily briefings and... The only way I can handle all the batshit crazy stuff that he says, because Colbert and Kimmel have such great spins on it. So do check out their YouTube channels and enjoy their recent monologues. Um, I find it so funny. Laugh out loud funny. And it, it helps me cope with the Trump administration. Uh, I'm kind of late to the party on this one, but I just binged Good Omens over the weekends and loved it. It was so funny. I found myself laughing out loud on multiple occasions. Um, and David Tennant and Michael Sheen just makes such a good, uh, a good pairing, perfectly cast. Um, so if you're a Neil Gaiman fan, definitely worth checking out. I also have a TV show this week. I wanted to recommend Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which just had its season finale last night. So you can binge the full first season, which is only 12 episodes, over on Hulu if you're interested. It's just such a nice little gem of a show. Uh, There's a musical element. So if you're a fan of shows like Glee, I think you'll really enjoy this. Um, But it's also not afraid to get real and it's got a lot of heart. So if you're looking for something nice to watch, I would highly recommend checking that out. Micah, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, there's this uh, this great new book coming out uh, (laughs) called Midnight Sun. (laughs) I actually got a preview copy of it fantastic about a vampire wow is it Uh, steamy do you have a real recommendation yes over the break here i guess uh it was one of my friend's birthdays and we all got together kind of like this right uh and we played uh psych i don't know if you have this app or you've heard of this app it's actually made by ellen degeneres oh it's it's a really cool gaming app and it's scenario based so you know somebody goes in they create the name of the game, you invite other friends to play. And then what it'll do is it'll start like randomly selecting the people who are participating and they'll give like different scenarios and you have to fill in the blank. And depending on your relationship with the other people, it could actually get pretty funny, pretty dirty. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then the other people will select the answers that they think are the best. So like, let's say Andrew's porn star name is, and then me, Laura, and Pam would come up with the answers. I, you would come up with an answer too, but... Yeah, I mean, this kind of reminds me of uh, Jackbox games, and we actually played Heads Up, another Alan game, on our Patreon a few months ago, and we had a lot of fun doing that. Did we do that yeah. on MuggleCast too? Or We did. Yeah, oh, we, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that a couple times. Yeah. We found out Laura and I are much better at giving the clues than... Than receiving them. We, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are Which cool. basically means you and Eric are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we did this. We we had some drinks. We celebrated the birthday. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's if people need a little break, you know, have some laughs. Yeah, have some fun. I know everybody needs that right now, so okay. I definitely recommend that. That's a good rec. Uh, Micah can be heard weekly on MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast. Thanks again for coming on, Micah. It was nice having you Thanks on. Thanks for having me, Andrew. You know, anytime. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. not doing much these days. You're always so welcome. I'm glad we could uh, talk about all the different things we talked about today. Yeah, of course. Micah's a natural fit for the show. I mean, we started doing this uh, together. That's probably part of the reason yeah. why. 
Wasn't it called Smart Mouths back then? Yeah, it had a different <laughs> name, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Show well, that it shall course, not be named. You were on Millennial for the first like five episodes. I and was. Then, then you said, fuck this shit. And uh, well, here you are. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's <back>. on you. <laughs> yes. Look at what I missed. Like I said, no. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of course. Yeah. Like I said, uh, coming up in After Dark today, we are going to do an imprint reunion. We are going to treat it like it's an episode of Imprint. It's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be available on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/Millennial. I will say this particular edition of After Dark, we are going to release to the public a day after it is released on Patreon, just because there's a lot of Twilight fans who will probably want to hear this, and we see it as a good way to promote Millennial. So again, patreon.com slash millennial is where you can support us. There is years of bonus content available that you can browse through instantly as soon as you pledge. So there's tons to go through. And like we said earlier, we deeply appreciate your support. And it's just meant the world to us seeing so many new people pledge in recent weeks. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And that does it for this week's episode of Millennial. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Micah. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Bye. That was Heavy in Your Arms by Florence and the Machine from the Twilight soundtrack.